Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Luke chapter 7, if you'll stick with me, I'll read 10 verses. Now, when he had ended all his stayings, the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. Everyone say Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick, ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. The story is mentioned twice in the Gospels, but Luke really fleshes it out a little bit. And verse 4 says, And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. They said, Hey, hey, Jesus, this guy's worthy of it. Why? For he loveth our nation. This guy, this guy built us a synagogue. Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wow. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, just say it in a word. I want somebody to catch that. Just, just say the word and my servant shall be healed. He said, I'm a man that's set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I, I say to one of them, you need to go and he goeth. And another, I say, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Watch verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. He marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, they found the servant whole that had been sick. Jesus sent a word because a man believed in his word. I want to preach for a little while. I believe the Lord has given me this. I know the Lord has given me this word for this morning. When the master marvels. When the master marvels. I want you to lift your hands. Begin to pray with me all over this room one more time that the Word could do its intended purpose. God, I pray that you'd help me to preach the way I feel you've deposited it into my spirit. I'm asking you to help me to preach with wisdom, with clarity, and most importantly, with anointing that men and women might grow because of the, our time together in your house. Do your work in this place. 
We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. You may be seated today. Do I have any carnivores in this house? I know I, I might have some vegetarians, but I've probably got some carnivores. I could tell by the hearty amen. Yeah. It was uh, not too long ago, Brother Henderson, maybe, maybe two years ago or so, I got this incredible invitation. I got this invitation by a restaurant to come. Luxurious steakhouse. To come have dinner on them. Hmm. What does this mean? I got to take my wife. Not my kids. No restaurant can sustain that. <laughs> uh, and so we didn't know exactly, Brother Sleva, what that meant, have dinner on us. Brother Faulkner, I was thinking, you know, I want to be modest, but, but the main man of the restaurant, when he came up, he said, try everything. <laughs> what do you mean by everything? We had kind of talked about this. Should we just get, should we just get like something nice and split it? Should we, how should we? <laughs> nah, baby, nah. I don't know if you're normally an appetizer type person, but when it's on them, Brother Marshall, we were appetizer people. We got two. Oh, that's greedy. No, it's good. It's good. It's real good. Ordered appetizers, ordered main meal. She got one. I got one. Thought about ordering one for the ghost man on second. I don't know if you normally do dessert. <laughs> we, we, we did. We did dessert. We ate until it was like that old expression felt like needed to roll us out of the room. And we carried a doggy bag out. Proud. Just happy. Why? It was on the... I sat down and I want to believe I would have ordered all those things, but I don't know that I would have. But it was on them. To them, it was important to be kind and bless us. And I didn't want to take their blessing. Anybody feel like you could handle a night like that? You could just handle it all? Yeah. So Josh, I bet you could take that. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. He can handle. He can afford anything you need. And beyond that, if you're living right, anything you want. Because when you're really living for him, the desires of your heart change. And when you walk in, the things that look appealing when you're really living for God, the things that look appealing change. Yeah. 
This is a good man in Luke 7. This, this, this centurion. But I don't, have to, I don't have to do a lot of teaching for you to understand that Jews and Romans were not really best friends. Brother Root, Jews and Romans didn't typically walk around holding hands. Sometimes Romans had one of them in a headlock. But they weren't normally together, and yet the Gospels has a tendency to paint centurions as honorable people. But this one in particular, something about him, he has a real honor and respect for the Jewish culture. And there is something that is hidden in him that becomes known by the people. It's good when you talk good about yourself, sure, but it's a lot better when people talk good about you. The best way for you to be blessed, let other people do your blessing. Here he comes to the place where his servant is sick. There are some things that I, I feel like we need to note about this man to understand why maybe they, they did enjoy him. He was, he was worthy, according to them, because he loves our nation. He built us a church. Now, if you don't think that would help in your conversation with Christ, that probably helped. He built us a church. Well, let's heal the guy. I'm going to tell you, let me speak on behalf of the entire board and Calvary Tabernacle. If somebody rich in Indianapolis watching this, you just, <laughs> you just want to build the church, we will move, we will pray for you. We will talk good about you. That's just the way, there was something about, but it wasn't just his money because if he would have given money but had a rotten attitude, I don't think they would have felt that way. How many know that's right? He didn't have a rotten attitude. He had a great attitude. He was honorable to them. He was worthy to them. Here's one of the ways we know. He loved his servant. He loved his servant. A lot of people in here are, our managers or bosses. Here's the deal. I think that bosses can still be nice. <laughs> now, I don't think everyone's going to always like what the boss has to say. I don't think everyone's going to always enjoy what your manager says. But Pete, now don't raise your hands in case you work for anybody in here. But you do know the difference between when someone treats you well or not. I've been given assignments along the way that I did not like the assignment, but I could do it because the boss. I've always been appreciative of bosses that were willing to do what they asked me to do. One of my favorite jobs in all the years was when I worked at a place as a, as a young adult and I was even in college and I was working at this place that when we'd get busy, the boss would be right out there hustling and bustling right with us. I think that's the way it ought to be. But he loved his servant. 
If you would think of the context and the culture of the day, how hard, Brother John, would it have been for him? Just get another servant. You've obviously got the money. You've obviously got the prestige and the power, but to him, lives were not simply disposable. Come on, the centurion's preaching to us right now. We need to love the people, but we need to love our people. He said, not only do I love the Jewish culture, but I love those that are close to me. He loved his servant and he brought that to Christ. Third thing about him, I believe that he was humble. And I believe that this shows itself in verse 6 of chapter 7. He is humble because while he is respected by them, the Bible says that he does not even believe Jesus should enter into his home. Now that's a rarity, ladies and gentlemen. Think about that. That Jesus, I'm not worthy of you to even enter into my home. There was a sense of humility, and I don't believe it was false humility. I believe that it was genuine. I believe he had such reverence and respect for this poor rabbi. Here he is, a well-off centurion, and he's speaking in regards to a poor or a lowly rabbi. But it was not about the social status of the rabbi. It was about his belief in who Jesus was. It gives us a beautiful lesson, Brother Turner, that it does not matter what place on the economics ladder that you are. It's about whether or not you believe that God is able. If simply a little bit of medicine could have taken care of the servant, he might would be exhausting that option. But he understands I'm at a place where I need Jesus, but I don't need Jesus to come into my house. I'm not even worthy of you to come into my house. But if you will speak the word, and this is the last thing, he is a man of faith. I will tell you at times there are people of faith that we do not recognize how strong they are until the words or the actions come from them. And then all of a sudden we find out, wait a minute, they've been a person of faith all along. I want to pause right here before I start really getting after this and tell everyone in this room right now, you've been given a measure of faith and you are stronger in your faith than the enemy wants you to believe that you are. And it is not, listen, it is not simply your faith. It is what you put your faith into, or rather, who you put your faith into. It was not because of the status in the government. It was not because he was a centurion. It was not because he was humble. It was not because he was meek. All those things were blessing. But what made the difference was, he said, I've got some faith in me. I know I don't look the part. I know I probably don't fit the bill, but I've got some faith in me. And since I've got faith, I'm going to invest it in the right place. And I know that the right place is this man that you call Jesus. And so I want you to give word. I want you to let him know. I believe that if he will just speak the word. Well, Jesus will come to you. I don't need him to come to my house. I don't have a house worthy of him to come into. You let him know. I've got people under me. When I say go, they go. I, I, they go because I treat them well and I love them. And I, I, they go and, and I've got rule over them. And I say come and they will come to me. And I tell Tell the one you need to do this and they don't talk back. They don't fuss at me. They, they just do it. You tell Jesus if he'll speak the word. 
You know where I'm at right now? We're in a place where people are nervous to have hands even laid on them. I'm not, I don't want us to get into this whether we got faith or not stuff. I, I don't want us to be pitting one another against each other and get mixed up in the political garbage that's going on out there. I'm going to tell you right now, if he will speak the word, if he will speak the word, here's what I believe. I got a little girl at home today sick. Here's what I think. If he'll speak the word, I can walk into that house. And by the time I walk into the... Maybe you don't believe that. I believe I can walk in the house and she can be 100%. Well, they say it takes two or three days. It takes four. I think if he'll speak the word, that God's spirit can move. The centurion was not there. Jesus... Jesus wasn't there. The centurion wasn't there. The servant was there. He said, if you'll send a word, it'll go all the way from the earth into the portals of heaven, and it'll transcend through the, through the wilderness and down through the backwoods, and that word will creep its way into the house, onto the bed where he's laying. You don't have to go. Just send a word. and Just let the word go. Just speak to that's what I'm asking God to do. I'm asking speak to the environment. Speak to the atmosphere. Speak over our homes. Speak over our marriages. My God, I feel like preaching right now. Speak into our lives. Speak into our minds. Speak into our hearts. Give us a word. Give us a word. You want a word? I'm going to give you a word. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. Say, I don't know. The servant is really sick. Well, I'm going to tell you this. He's really a healer. I don't know. The bank account is really dry. He's really a provider. I don't know. I'm a little mentally overwhelmed. He really is the strength of your life and the hope of your spirit. I don't have a sign. You don't need a sign. Get a word from God. If I get a word, I can live on that word. I pulled up my seat at that table. What, what are you going to get? So when he said order whatever, does that, does anything, get it all. Why do we keep ordering like we're somebody else's kid? We got to get out of this. I feel like being so apostolic right now. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to go ahead and go on public record right now. I'm asking God for some things that people would think are too big. I'm asking God for some things that people would tell me I'm crazy for. I'm asking God for right. I'm asking him to shut the mouths of people that want to be divisive. I'm asking God to open up revival to make this city give. I'm asking God. 
I know you might think it's crazy, but I'm asking God to drag this sickness to hell. I'm asking God to bottle it all up and get it out of here. I'm asking God to move on marriages that the devil have told us are over. I'm asking God, why? Because he's put the bill and it's his word that I've cut. I don't need you to I don't need you to give me any new sign. If you will speak the word. But what moves me is that Jesus marveled. Only twice. You're only going to find it twice. In all the gospels, he marveled two times. Two times. Christ marvels two times. He marvels right here at a Gentile's faith. He listens to this centurion who has great authority speaking in front of all these people. And he looks at them, turns to them. His faith is marvelous. I'm going to tell you right now, when Jesus thinks your faith is marvelous, you're doing something. Brother Coy, when when Jesus says, whoa, you got weird faith. You know what that means, right? Marvel. He marveled. He was at what? When you make the wondrous wonder, I haven't seen faith like this. He marvels twice. He marvels here at the Gentiles' faith, and he marvels in Mark at the Jews' lack. He marvels at their lack. He said, you're supposed to be believers. He marvels at their unbelief. So I've got the, I've got the gospel illustration that I'm going to make him marvel one of two ways. <laughs> and I'm telling you, here I want us to be, Calvary Tabernacle. If he's going to marvel, I don't want him to marvel I don't want him to marvel that we say we're believers, but our faith is low. I want him to marvel because when everyone else is closing up shop, we're getting stronger and we're dreaming bigger and we're speaking greater. I want him to marvel that when the doctors say there's... Forgive me, I'm dealing with stuff right now in this church that the enemy wants to tell us there's no hope for people. I want him to marvel that we're able to look at doctor's reports and say, I know what it says, but I believe. I want him to have to turn to the angels and marvel at the faith and say, they still believe me at Calvary. They still believe I'm a healer. They still believe that I can maneuver. Woo! I'm speaking to somebody. You need to get your faith back. You need to get your faith back this morning. I want him to marvel. Can I tell you, 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to bring my voice down so you don't think I'm just trying to get you excited. I want people getting out of wheelchairs to be normal here. I want blind eyes open to happen here. I want deaf ears unstuck. I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. I don't have some fever speaking for me right now. I want sinners run into this. I want sinners run into our altars repenting. I want that baptism of trouble every service. Hear me right now. When we go one service without people baptizing, it bothers me to the core. Why? How could it not? How could it not bother us? Pastor Lopez, we don't have one service that somebody doesn't receive the Holy Ghost. I don't ask God, what we do wrong? I want marvelous faith. I want marvelous faith. Well, Pastor Carson, let yourself off the hook. I'm not on the hook. Pastor Carson, take it easy on the church. This is, this is about him. We can't fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. We can't, we can't make anyone repent. We can try to get the vessels here. We can try to do the work. I want people, listen, it's happened this last year. I received a note. I received a note. We had a woman here, Brother Gurgany. Four weeks ago, four weeks ago, had a woman here. Doctors had told her she'd never stand again. She was standing in our service. Sent a note to the front. They told me I'd never stand again. In the middle of service, she got up on her feet and started praising God. They looked at her and her eyes were real big. They said, what are you doing? She said, the doctors told me I would never. But that should not shock us or overwhelm us or Why? I believe he's that kind of God. He has not changed. His word has not changed. All we need, it's why, listen, it's why we put emphasis on preaching here. Every now and then, we're going to have a shout down. How many knows what a shout down is? Come on. Remember shout down? And every now and then, we need one. Every now and then, you're thinking, don't preach, don't preach, don't preach. Let it go. But I'm going to tell you, most of the time, sorry. Most of the time, I'm going to get, and I'm teasing. I know most of you say, I wish you would have just preached a little bit. Most of the time, I'm going to get up and open my mouth because it's not about my mouth. If I can start yelling some of these scriptures out, if I can start speaking some of this word out, Every now and then I just want to get up and say he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I'll come to your house. I don't even need you to come. I don't even need any. I don't need a parade. I don't need any pump. I don't need any circumstance. Speak the word. Speak the word. By the time I get there, by the time... I'd have loved to have been there when he rolled back onto the property and his servant was standing... Hey, where'd you go? To save your lousy carcass, that's where I went. 
to pray. How many know you are the result of somebody else's prayer meeting? I know assuredly I'm standing here as the result. I'm not here of my own volition. I'm not here because somebody got alone and touched Jesus for me. Somebody got... And so we, we have that obligation to share the word. Part of this church's mission is to not only share the word here, but to partner with people that are sharing this word in other places. How many believe that? Now, I'm going to do something that is extremely rare for me. I've never done it. Don't know if I'll do it again. But I'm going to take three minutes, and I'm going to show you a video. And I want you to see what we're partnering with. This is one of the missionaries we're partnering with. It's doing, wow, they're doing it really different. Let's show that video. I love South Dakota. I've been fortunate and blessed to live here for 15 years beautiful landscape, the beautiful scenery, Mount Rushmore, the Badlands, all the open prairies, it's incredible. And you can sometimes get lost in all the grandeur of nature and the hunting and the fishing. And you can get distracted from what we don't see. And what we don't see are churches in every town. There are 310 towns and 66 counties. In all of that, there are only six churches. And when I find myself driving, my wife and I will go from town after another town after another town, and there is no apostolic witness. Rapid City, 75,000 souls, no church. Brookings, 25,000 souls, no church. Yankton, no church. Spearfish, no church. Clear Lake, Redfield, Belfuge, Deadwood, Lead, Phillip, Midland, Highmore, Blunt. Who is going to reach these people? Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, verse 38, let us go over into the next towns that I may preach there also. This is why Jesus came, he told his disciples, was to go to the next town, not just to stay in one town, and just build one church, but there are neighboring communities, there are neighboring towns that need to have a witness. They need to know this gospel. It's not God's will for there to be towns and communities without an apostolic witness, without an apostolic presence. And it could seem overwhelming, it could seem impossible, like how on earth can we do this? But in the 15 years I've been here, driving from the next town, to the next town, to the next town, with no apostolic witness, no apostolic church. I see other churches. I see a Methodist church in every town. I see a Catholic church in every town. And I realize it is possible to have the presence of a church in every town. The task of North American missions is to take the gospel 
to where there is people. Still to this day, there are thousands of towns that have no apostolic witness. The size of this mission is massive, but the journey of a thousand miles begins with the next town. I talked to Pastor Brown on the phone this week. And I said, help me. Help me understand what you're doing. He told me this story and he began to share some personal things with me. And I said, Brother Brown, I said, when I was a child, I lived in a town of 800 people. I said, I'm so glad a preacher felt like that town was worth going to. I didn't know I went to a small church. I just knew I went to a great church. You know why it was a great church? Because they were preaching the word there. I remember in that little town of 800 people having a six-week revival where 36 people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I remember in that small town of 800 people having old-fashioned, it was in that little town of 800 people where my family was all saved. That little town of 800 people. Say, Pastor Carson, what, what are you trying to say? This is a word church. But we're not only a word church for here. We're about empowering the word to go everywhere. Because here's my real question, brother. Brother Ben, what, what was the life of that servant like after that day? Think he didn't tell people about Jesus? Brother Taylor, I bet, I bet after that day, after that centurion talked to him, and told him Jesus sent a word. I bet his life, always, always he had to look at Jesus different. I'm asking, can anyone in here remember a moment that Jesus... Just in time. Maybe he sent a personal touch to you. I'm thankful for him in, in two ways. I'm, so, I'm thankful that he's a, been a personal word, that he's given me a word, that he's given me a, a Bible that I can read from and in times of prayer that he spoke to me. But I'm thankful that he has sent a preacher. I'm thankful for... Even when I was a little boy, I was a little boy talking on the front row one time. Sister Tiller, Pastor Goins called me out twice before I knew he was talking to me. I told that at his funeral a couple years ago. I was preaching at funeral. I can remember me and Justin were talking so, so ferociously on the front row that when he called me out, I didn't know. And somebody slapped me from behind. So what? Looked up. Oh, I wanted to crawl inside my. My mom and dad made sure that would never happen again later. <laughs> but he preached to me. I can remember that preacher. He never stood on any conference platforms, but he stood on the conference platform of my heart for years. He probably, Brother Houck, wasn't, wasn't the world's greatest preacher, but he was one of the most passionate. He'd preach until his lips were blue. I remember being a young man watching him watching the way he'd weave that word. 
we'd have revival in that small town. This church is about to go into, I believe, an incredible year because of your faithful giving and series we're launching tonight. I'm so excited about what God is going to do for this church over the next <clears throat> course of months. Very excited about, but I don't want to ever be a church that works so hard to build a kingdom here that we're not making sure we're also getting the word out other, everywhere. We've got to be a church that gives to missions, global missions and North American missions. Churches around the world, but churches right here. Did that send a shock through anyone else's heart when he said a town of 75,000 and no apostolic? I told Brother Brown on the phone, I said, thanks for being willing to go. I want you to stand with me in this room. God's got a word for your home. God's got a word for your heart. And that word is enough. You know I do not. I've been here for 18 months. I took up an offering for the, for the kitchen. And at revival time, because Brother Staten said, I got up and said, if you want to give. And we'll talk about that a little bit during our Sunday nights over the next few weeks. <clears throat> what's happened and what's happening. But you have an opportunity to give to Christmas for Christ, North American Missions, however you do it. You can give from the app. You can give in person. I'm, I'm not wanting to belabor that. But I am wanting to belabor this. I want to be a part of making sure the Word gets where the Word needs to get. The Word that day was not about the centurion. It was about the servant. The faith of the centurion made it possible for the word to get where the word needed to get. I know there are cities that do not have an apostolic witness and, and we cannot go there physically. We can go there financially and we're going to invite you and, and allow you. We want you to be a part of that. But some of you do not have to go to the next city. You're going to walk into the doors of your home. And you got children. You got spouses. You got neighbors right next door. You've you might say, well, Pastor, but I'm just one believer. This centurion proves if you've got faith. Well, what should I do? Do I have to go and knock on their door and lay hands on them? If the Lord leads you to, sure. But if you'll get your faith mixed with His Word right now, if you'll get your faith mixed with His Word, I got a report this week. Somebody called and said, I I'm not sure. The doctors told us this yesterday. It was bleak. And yet the doctors have told us this today. They said they don't understand how it happened. What did we do? We just laughed about it. 
and said, we know how it happened. How does it happen? When the master marvels, I think he marvels when we feel like everybody might be against us. The accusation of the enemy is against you. And I feel that strong right there. The accusation of the enemy is against you. Do you hear me right now? You're a vessel. Let your faith, I want you to lift your hands with me all over this room. Somebody with uplifted hands, whoever the Lord brings to your mind or brings to your, your spirit, I want you to begin to call them out before the Lord right now. I want you to begin to ask the Lord, send the word. If it's for healing, I want you to ask him, send the word of healing. If it's deliverance, I want you to ask him, speak the word of deliverance.